Welcome to Launching Life at 60, a podcast aimed at women in their 60s embarking on a new venture in order to follow their passion and their heart's desires. I'm Novoko, your host, who's trying to do precisely that at 63, to become an inspirational A-level economics teacher after a career in financial journalism and banking. My guest today is Nikki Owen, who has over the last 30 years helped thousands of individuals, particularly business leaders, to heal their deep-seated trauma to become authentic, happy and effective individuals. Nikki is a much sought after public speaker. I think she's one of the best I've ever come across. And she's an author of five books, including Nicola, A Second Chance to Live, Charismatic to the Core, Legally High and Beat Stress. In two weeks time, Nikki will officially launch a new stress busting app, Heating Hub, to help people around the world manage stress so that they can live life with confidence and full of energy. Nikki, welcome to my show. Hello, Novako. <laughs> it's really exciting to have you because you actually gave me the inspiration for this podcast. Oh, that's lovely to hear. I actually remember when we first met, you uh, astounded me with standing up in front of a group of women and singing a cappello uh, <laughs> and just mesmerizing the whole audience. So I remember you very well. <laughs> but anyway, because, you know, you gave me the inspiration because at 60, you're embarking on probably the biggest venture in your life of moving from more exclusive clients to the mass so that you can really literally transform the world. So um, can you talk us through your journey of the last 12 months since, since when the COVID lockdown almost destroyed your business to this new great beginning? Yes, well, I think like a lot of people, uh, the global pandemic has caused such a lot of change and uncertainty and fear and it's destroyed livelihoods uh, it, it's been a real difficult time and so back in March I my business was uh, ticking over rather nicely I had uh, business leaders who would fly in from around the world to come and see me um, and participate in my breakthrough sessions which I was able to really help them transform their lives in a very short space of time. And I was doing a lot of keynote speaking at events and conferences around the world. And life was really good. And then in the space of about seven days, I think it was, I lost all of my work instantly. And I think over the years, I've done a lot of work on myself that I don't tend to feel fear and I don't get scared about life anymore. I just know that something better is always around the corner. And in that moment, I think I made a decision to take all of my techniques that I used very successfully with thousands and thousands of people over the years. And I challenged myself to put them together in a healing at home type technique that would enable anyone to beat stress in just 10 minutes. And that's how it started. It started as an idea 
that I just started running with. And I didn't give any thought about the funding, about, you know, doing anything other than uh, kind of having this uh, program for people that they could just listen to bits of music and they could follow this practice and they would feel less stressed. I thought that would be great. And then it just took on a life force of its own. So in a very short space of time, uh, I started to realize that organizations were really excited by the concept because four out of five UK workers are currently feeling stressed right now. So it's a massive issue. Yeah. Uh, something like 70 million GP visits are stress related now. And I thought, well, if, if I can get this into a, a, an app form, then I can really help a lot of people very, very quickly. And so I've managed to create the opportunity to build an app, the Healing Hub, that is about to be launched on the 22nd of April. So it's all very exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I mean, timing wise, this is wonderful. But that that you're here talking to us talking to us about what you're about to do and i had the privilege of uh, having a taster of your app and it really works and um i thought because i do meditation i don't need it but they do complement each other don't they can you explain that a little bit about that? yes they do i think what makes um the the products in the app so powerful is that if you're feeling really stressed, you, your body is making lots of cortisol and adrenaline. So your body is very stimulated. So the idea of being able to sit quietly and meditate and calm the mind is really difficult for people who are feeling stressed. So I put together a technique that utilizes deep open mouth breath work to bring in vast quantities of oxygen into the bloodstream. And this softens old unprocessed emotions. I then use breath retention, which regenerates the heart and transitions the nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system with neuroscience inspired technology and wild primal releasing so the combination of all these things, when put with music, we also compose all our own music, is quite astonishing. It works on multiple levels. So people can immediately feel something is shifting. So it's not a classical type of meditation, but in the releasing of all the baggage, all that emotion that we may have held on to for years and years and years, it's a very cathartic releasing experience. And we're, we're achieving some phenomenal results with people that are our pilot groups going through it. People um, have, you know, managed to sleep now well through the night they re, you know, they've reduced stress, reduced anxiety. It's improved their self-worth, improved confidence. It gets rid of migraine. It improves asthma. So there's a lot of areas. So we're quite excited about it at the moment. Can't wait for the launch. I mean, you've always used yourself as a guinea pig, really, to develop things. And so you used yourself as a guinea pig in developing this, did you? 
Yes, well, I, I've always used myself as a, as a guinea pig because, uh, you know, I, I've not always been a very grounded, normal, balanced person. And so I've always been curious about finding ways that have enabled me to feel better quickly. And so I, I discarded early on in my career very conventional type therapies because I noticed that talking a lot about your problem just makes your problem worse. So I wanted to find a way that would actually create a shift in how I feel. So I, I just felt it was working. And so I've always tested it on myself first, then my family, then my friends, and then I've opened it up to wider audiences and always been quite committed about testing my processes quite thoroughly before I put them out to launch. But have you ever, have, have things ever gone wrong when you're testing it on yourself and got slightly scared? So I, I, I spent five years testing some very controversial and radical techniques with business leaders at Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. So I worked for five years uh, running these events in how to access the best version of you. And a lot of the content that I was teaching was really groundbreaking and leading edge. And people would often say to me, how did you know that would work? <laughs> and I remember saying, well, I didn't. I just had a hunch it might. And there have been lots and lots of things that I've done in my life that haven't worked at all. And yet I'm not scared of failing, really. I, I think that I've learned more in my life from, you might call it failure. I think it's just practice. So, it, it you know, sometimes you do something and you think, oh, I won't do that again. So you get to do the opposite of what's just failed and it works out brilliantly. And then, you know, you continue to do it. And after a while, you get so used to taking massive risks that they don't feel like risks because you know that you still survive. What's the worst thing that could have happened to me? People laugh. And I'm always very honest, if, if I've delivered something and it really hasn't worked, I do tell people, look, this has not worked out as I thought. And I'm able to put a positive spin on things. So yeah, I, it's, um, there's lots of things that haven't worked out really. I see, so it's okay if things don't work, just move on really, isn't it? Well, I think there's such a, a gold mine of learning that can be acquired by things not working out. And also, you know, what's working out and what's not working out? Because I think looking back on my life, that the biggest difficulties, the, the, the biggest failures, uh, the hardest blocks I've encountered have actually defined and everything that I am now and everything that I do now. So how can I define all those things as failures when it's brought me to this point in my life, in my career, when I feel I'm at the top of my game and about to conquer the world? What I tried your app 
when I had the privilege of trying it. Although I knew it was going to work, of course, there's a bit of me who said, well, is it going to work on me? Is it all right? So I had to kind of get over that initial little hesitation. But even if it hadn't worked, it wouldn't have been a big deal anyway, probably. Exactly. And everybody's different, Nobaku. So what works for you is totally different to what might work for somebody else. So with this app, I simply offer it to people and allow them to experience it for themselves. And there are two very contrasting techniques. One is a very active technique that releases stress in quite an intense way in 10 minutes. And the other one releases stress and creates deep relaxation while you relax without any effort at all, but it takes a bit longer to, for, to get into that state. So there's, there's different techniques. And for some people, neither of those might be aligned to where they are right now in life. So that's something I learned along the way, that if you try to please everybody, it, you, you end up making your proposition too beige. And you know, it's better to say, this is what I stand for. This is what makes my offering totally unique. It's a bit like Marmite. Some people love it and some people really don't. And that's okay. So it's being okay with when people think, no, it's not really that great. You know, it's okay. You know, not not everyone can like everything. But what I'm interested is, yeah, also interested is that uh, initially you are giving one-on-one help to select people. But now you're going for the masses, which is great, which is great, which is, I think, what, I've, what I always hoped you would do, I think, secretly. But it's a big shift, isn't it? Big shift in where you think and the way you market and everything, because you can't be there on hand. To Not help really, because no? what, I, what I did, I, I actually stood back and I reflected on uh, the, I've, I've worked with over two and a half thousand individuals over the course of 30 years. And a lot of those individual issues were very similar. People are still people, we're very complex. Lots of people have a belief that at some level, they're not good enough, or they're not worthy, or they're a failure, or they feel insecure, or they they believe that other people are better than them, or they're in this comparison mode. So there's a lot of insecurity that's inherent in people. The other thing I noticed is that a lot of the behavior that we have as adults is formed, you know, in childhood. You know, when we're born, we're in a hypnagogic state. So we're highly suggestible. So we download the behaviors of the people that brought us up. Usually it's our parents or our caregivers. So by the time we get to six or seven, we've got a set of behaviors that we then carry forward into our adult life. And they're not even our behaviors. And many of those behaviors are quite damaging or negative to us. So I recognize that there was an easy way to create change at a behavioral level that was relevant, whether I was working with one person 
or relevant, whether I was working with 100,000 people, everything was relevant. So I took the principles of what I was doing one-to-one and I looked for the patterns, I looked for the techniques that worked deeply and I adjusted them in a way that people could do them at home so they felt safe. And that was the key Mm. thing, just taking the guiding principles of my one-to-one interventions and applying them to uh, the you know a group scenario. Do you think you'd, you'd you'd might want a chance to actually speak to your clients, or do you think how I would do, you make I it do, a two-way I, communication? Yeah. So I do speak to my clients. So when I record and go into studio and record the guided soundtracks, I'm Mm. speaking to each individual when I'm doing it. I hold in mind an individual. So it's a very personal interaction from the intention of how I'm speaking. And within the app, I run live sessions so people can engage with me in an interactive way. And we have all sorts of ways that people can engage. And what I realize is that I'm able to really help so many more people in this way. And the other thing, uh, sometimes I noticed that clients would come to me and they became uh, almost um, reliant on sessions with me because they knew that, you know, they would always feel a lot better after a session with me. And that's not healthy because we've Mm. each got you know, the ability to feel wonderful, you know, ourselves. So by teaching people this stress busting technique that they can do easily in a way that suits them, whether it's 10 minutes or whether it's 20 minutes, but in a way that suits them, I'm actually helping people to take much more responsibility for their own emotional well-being, for their own stress levels and for their own ability to feel really grounded and at peace with who they are, regardless of the situation that's going on in their lives. But can they come to you for, I mean, is there a way for clients to give you feedback or uh, seek extra help? Or So my belief is that that the that a lot of, if they if they are doing these practices on a daily basis and there's a lot of support within the community of the app so people can post questions they can post issues we're always responding to those in a dynamic way so we're, we're constantly posting updates on our you know of videos we're, we're talking about issues that people are having and then sharing them so we're doing as much as we can to provide in the moment support to people in the form of the community and the app that the days of me being able to work now one-to-one with people uh, I I'm not able to do that anymore and 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 that's okay And so I recommend people, I've got wonderful therapists that I recommend for different people. I do my best to respond to every email I receive, every message. And ultimately, I am a big believer that the resources within the Healing Hub really do work. They really do transform how you feel. And we have the innate ability 
each of us to heal ourselves. We don't need anyone else to do that for us. We have such a a wonderful mechanism that allows us to do it. Our unconscious mind loves us so much and it knows exactly what needs to happen to heal us. So if we're allowing ourselves to be open and we really show some compassion towards ourselves, everything is possible. That's such a great message that we really have the ability in ourselves to heal ourselves. Yes. And this app is just a springboard, really. Yes. And it's interesting because uh, on the trials we've been running since January 2020, the transformation in people who have been using the app regularly is astonishing. And people have suddenly changed their diet. They've lost a lot of weight. They've changed their jobs. They've got better relationships with their family. Uh, Their asthma is improved. They no longer get migraines. Uh, So many changes. And they're doing this themselves, which is so incredibly empowering. And of course, as you expand your awareness, suddenly you notice things that you would never have noticed before. So you become compelled to explore things like maybe Reiki, and that's a whole new area for people to explore, or Qigong, or emotional freedom techniques. the, The world is full of wonderful tools that have the power to really help soothe and ease our emotional pain. And it's just lovely that the healing hub is the the springboard that allows that sort of interaction to happen. And um, but you've, I mean, you're such an adventurer. I saw on your website that you've just been, put yourself in a deep freezing experience. Before that, that, you did ayahuasca. So, so what have those things te- taught you? I mean, do we need to do these things if we want to really find ourselves? I don't think anyone should do anything um, <laughs> from, a, from a, a position of need or feel they should. So the reason that I decided to embark on putting myself into a, a, a chamber where the temp, it was minus 87 in the chamber. Yes. And I was in the chamber for three minutes and it was quite a, a wacky experience because <laughs> it literally is freezing. And I, I think. Scary I, too. It really I, is scary. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, I suppose it was, but I thought, well, I'm sure I'm not going to die because if if I look like I'm going to die, they're going to open the chamber door. So it's all monitored. But the reason um, I was so curious about this is that um, I'd studied Wim Hof at the Iceman and he's a big advocate of cold showers and cold therapy. And I was curious and I thought, well, I'll have a go at this, but I'll do it in a really extreme way. If he can do it, I can do it. And I was just curious. And, uh, it was very invigorating. It was wonderful. And it, it was something that I'd probably not choose to do again. It, I felt I prefer, I prefer a sauna, to be honest. So that wasn't, but ayahuasca is a whole new uh, experience. 
So ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic plant-based medicine that has been used by indigenous people for over 4,000 years for the purposes of emotional, spiritual, and physical healing. It's incredibly controversial and it's illegal in most countries. Uh, But in Costa Rica, they have a center over there called Rhythmia, which is a licensed certified center for ayahuasca. And I'd heard of ayahuasca um, for about nine years, nine, 10 years ago now. And I was told that you basically take this brew and then everybody throws up a lot and has chronic diarrhea. And I thought, why does anyone choose to do that? Why would anyone do that? I I couldn't see the attraction at all. And yet uh, I kind of got to a point in my life, uh, you know, a couple of years ago where I just felt the calling and I thought I'm going to do it in a very safe environment. So I traveled to Costa Rica and I spent a week doing overnight ayahuasca ceremonies. That was probably the most profound thing I've ever done in my life. And I attribute that experience to the clarity of creating the healing hub. And also the fact that when I lost all my work, I didn't have one tiny bit of fear because I've done so much personal development over the years. You realize that fear is just an emotion that comes and goes. It's not real and it, everything passes. So if I feel a bit of fluttering of something that some people might label fear, you know, I just recognize that it's coming and it's going and that's okay. So ayahuasca is, is pretty intense and wild. A, a lot of my friends think I'm nuts. My family think I'm nuts. And I have really benefited from the process. So yes, but it's, it's pretty hardcore. It's not for everybody. Can you share with us what you saw, what you experienced during ayahuasca? So I think one of the most profound experiences and visions that I experienced all, all my life, I've, I've been aware that I've had quite a lot of anger towards men. So I've become very strong and assertive, almost as if I'm proving to men that I don't need men. And the other um, thing I've struggled with a lot in my life is my relationship with my mother, um, who is uh, a kind of difficult woman. She's struggled with alcohol uh, for years and it's caused her to, to feel quite bitter. And when I was in Costa Rica, I had the vision of my great grandmother, who I've never met, And my great-grandmother died of an illegal abortion. And the anger my great-grandmother felt um, because her husband had forced her to have sex when she was exhausted. She already had five children. They were really, really poor. So she went to have an illegal abortion. And the anger at her husband, the rage, and then... I also connected with the consciousness of the fetus and the fetus had formed a belief that you can't trust the mother. And this 
this consciousness, this intelligence, this trauma had passed through the generation and it was so powerful and it enabled me to really find compassion for my mother. It enabled me to completely soften my attitude towards men. So I now have no anger towards them. And it was a really amazing experience and one that I'm incredibly grateful for. And I think now when I I see my mum, I see her with real compassion and that she has always wanted love. She's never felt loved from her mum and she's never really grown up and everything she does is done for the purpose of wanting love. And what I do is I, I, in the past, all I've done is judge her and been very critical of her. And now I can really celebrate the fact that, you know, my mum gave me the gift of life. My mum has taught me compassion, you know, in, indirectly, but that's what I've learned from my mum. So it, it's an honor. I now live quite close to her and I'm sort of caring for my mum quite a lot. And it's just a real privilege to do that now. And I wouldn't have felt that before ayahuasca. Is that why in your latest book, Beating Stress, in the first chapter, at the end of every paragraph, you say there's no mistaking, there are no mistakes in life. There are no mistakes in life. It actually, it actually helped me when I gave my father uh, double the dosage of antibiotics. He's 98. And I thought, oh my God, I made this big mistake. But then I remembered you, that sentence, there are no mistakes in life. So yeah, I was able I, to be calm. I think that's a, that's a really empowering thing because, you know, we, we, we go through things that in the moment we don't understand why life is dishing this up or why things are happening. And we make a judgment of a situation from a very, you know, kind of restricted human perspective in the midst of what's going on at that moment. And sometimes it's only when you look back over the years to things that happened years ago, do you realize that actually there was no mistake about that happening because if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have learned this about myself and if I hadn't have learned this about myself, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing today or I wouldn't be able to have this compassion or have this particular ability or skill. So how can we, how, how can we judge anything in any way? And I think because we naturally tend to be quite self-critical as people and we always tend to look for what's wrong or the mistake, or what's not perfect about ourselves, I think to hold in mind the affirmation there are no mistakes in life. Yeah, that's great. And it's, 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 it's great the way you, you, you repeated it, you repeated it so that it goes into subconscious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And listen, I call this podcast Launching Life at 60, and you're doing what you're doing at 60, and I'm about to embark on something 
new at, at my age. Do you think there's something significant about that or is it just a coincidence? I mean, Well, I think when I think of the number 60, yeah. it feels quite a big number. It is a big number. And yet inside, I don't know about you, Nobuku, I feel about 20. I, I haven't changed much inside in terms of my outlook and how I feel. And it's just sometimes when I look in the mirror, I think, oops, <laughs> you know, there's a few changes going on. <laughs> and I think that really uh, in, in every other culture uh, outside of the, the Western culture, age is really honoured and respected because of the wisdom that we acquire. And I think if we've, uh, as we journey through life, I think we learn so much about ourselves. We learn what's important. We learn what makes our heart sing and what doesn't. And I don't think it's ever too late for anything. And there's a wonderful book that I read recently, which is called Boulder. And it's about people in their 70s, 80s and 90s who have started new relationships, who have climbed mountains, who have done all sorts of crazy things. And they just started it, you know, at this age. So I think that if we believe that being in our 60s is an issue, then it will be. And if we believe that there's nothing stopping us from creating the life that we want, then that will also prove true. So I think it, life is exactly what you make it and everything is possible. And I do believe in miracles. You believe in miracles. But you said yeah. that we are spiritual beings in physical existence. Yes. yes. And I agree. I mean, I, I don't quite sense <laughs> i mean i intrinsically intuitively believe that's to be the case and it makes it so much easier to live although i can't prove it or i can't sense it but if you believe that age is nothing isn't it well i believe our soul is eternal and that the larger part of who we are is pure consciousness so we can be anywhere in the world right now, sipping pina coladas on a beautiful beach in our imagination. And, you know, our consciousness is amazing. So we are, you know, having a, a continual uh, interplay with the universe. Our thoughts are literally transforming the universe on a particle by particle basis. And every potential is held out there in this digital information field. So whatever you desire, whether it's a relationship, money, wealth, recognition, whatever it is that you desire, you first have to feel and access the same frequency of that that you desire so you can manifest that into your life. And so if you're feeling old in your 60s, you can only connect with things that validate your old. And if you feel full of hope and optimism and youthful vitality combined with the grace and wisdom of a mature woman, then you can access it all. I mean, to have the blend of youth and wisdom 
grace and enthusiasm. How phenomenal. And that is the lucky place we're at when we're in our 60s. And also, do you think that because of the world we live in, it takes that much time for us to find who we are? Or is it complete an individual thing, do you think? Well, it's a totally individual thing. So sometimes okay. you meet people who have discovered the, the way or they've discovered a real uh, uh, interest in consciousness and they're very, very young. Wow. And sometimes there are people in their 90s that have never really discovered it and still live in a very, uh, you know, world of consumerism where everyone is judged on what you have and what you look like. So it, it's, it's different for everyone. And it doesn't really matter because there's no right or wrong way. There's just a way that works well for the individual. And you know if your life is working for you and your way of life is working for you because it fills you with joy and you feel happy. And if you don't, then you haven't quite discovered the way yet. But if you discover who you truly are, if you, yeah, if you make the connection at, at an early age, what, is the, what do you do for the rest of your life? You just continue to explore <laughs> and expand. We never get done, do we? That you, 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 you learn one thing and the whole world looks different. So you go and explore the whole new different world and then you, you, you have fun with that and then you find a whole new world exists. You know, it's just such a magical place that we live in. But you also said that death is not the end that um, there's a beautiful world after death. Uh, well, that I believe the soul is eternal. And, our, and, and so if you call it consciousness, the soul, we, uh, we, we inhabit the body that our soul has chosen to live in. And we have a body and we have an ego, we have thoughts. And none of this is really us. You know, we are, our true nature is this beautiful soul that has decided to incarnate, to come back into this physical world, to experience everything else. Because how can you experience love unless you've experienced anger or resentment or hatred or fear or everything else that's not love? The more you experience that that is not love, the more you appreciate and understand what love is. So it is in the experiencing of the all of the other things, which is why life is so magical, because it is in the the, the contrast, in the depths, in the roller coaster of life that we realize what's truly important, which is love. And is it the ayahuasca experience that made you convinced that soul is eternal? No, I, I've had this belief um, for a while. And uh, I, I, am, I have studied um, Vajrayana Buddhism, but Buddhism doesn't believe in a soul. And I quite like the soul idea for me. <laughs> um, so I, I, I have always felt that love is really important I've always felt that, um, you know, we, there's so much more to us and, and that the real journey happens at the point of our passing. 
death is not the end. It's just the start of another new adventure. The real journey starts at the point of death, you said. You call it death. Okay, I call right. it passing. passing. It's okay. just a change of consciousness, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, because the soul can't die. So you're talking about the body wearing out. It's a bit like if you if you enjoy watching TV and you've watched BBC One every single night and then suddenly your TV breaks down. Yeah. What do you do? You get another TV and yes. guess what? You still can get BBC One. So it's not BBC One that was ever not there. It was the TV that just need replacing. I see. So the BBC One is our soul. So BBC One is, is the access to pure consciousness, the stream of information, source energy, whatever you call it, God. Uh, every And we can connect with that. But, you know, sometimes our TV set, you know, it gets a bit antiquated and it, or it breaks down and it's irreparable. So we just get a new one. And then we can still tune in to the same channel. So really, so if we believe that, and I'm sure most of us would like to believe that, age is nothing, isn't it? Well, age is wonderful because it gives you so much wisdom. I don't think it's nothing. It's just I mean, the thing, there is you're not, nothing you're not, to fear. You're not and nearing the end because, because the end is just transition into another... Another, another well, we don't stage. know when the end is, do we? We have no idea when the end is. There is no end. There may be an end of this particular human existence at some point in our life, but that's true from the moment we're born. The end can come at three months. The end can come in our 20s. So it, it's, it's, if we're fixated on the end, that's not helpful. No, and it needn't be sad. No, I don't feel sad about it. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I think it, it's going to be really amazing, you know, and uh, it, 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 and the liberation from a body that you just think, oh, you know, I could do with a new body now. So <laughs> I, but there's nothing to fear. But I still, I don't know about you, Nobaku, but I still feel I've got lots more to give in this yeah. lifetime yeah. i'm not done yet no 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 certainly not right thank you very much i wanted to ask you about the apple a big apple experience because i think a lot of our listeners don't know about that do you want to talk about that a little bit before we go yes the so one the that was featured in the daily mail wasn't it Yes, yes. So yeah. one of the experiments that uh, I'm quite well known for in the in the media is an experiment that's referred to as the big apple experiment, where you take an apple, you chop it into two, you put half into a jar that you label love, and half into a jar that you label stress. And then for two to three weeks, you send love to the love apple and you send all your negative emotion, you have a real old rant at your stress apple. And most people within two to three weeks will see a visible difference in the rate of decay between their two halves. And what this shows is that how we feel 
has a huge impact on physical reality. So the way you feel about yourself will either enhance or damage you. How you feel about others will either enhance or sabotage other people. So the way you look at other people can actually affect other people. How, you know, it's when you're in the presence of someone that is, you know, really you can feel someone likes you. You feel bathed in their love. They don't have to say anything. You just feel it. And then if you're in the presence of someone that you know is being very critical of you, you can feel it. And the Big Apple experiment is simply a visible, fun way that shows the impact we're having on the way we talk to ourselves and other people is having an impact on our physicality. So when you're under stress, it's kind of vicious circle, isn't it? Because yes. you hate the world, you hate yourself. Yes, so you're, you're going to damage yourself. So, you know, if you're thinking that being in your 60s is a really terrible thing. I'm no longer young. You know, I'm, I've got more aches and pains. I've got this, I've got that. Then you, you're not actually doing anything to help your body. Whereas if you're thinking thoughts like, uh, I'm 60 and that's a, a wonderful age to be. And at this age, think of all the mistakes I've made in my life that means I've learned so much that, you know, and, and, and if you can learn to really talk to yourself with loving compassion and kindness and accept yourself for this magical, amazing person you are, then your body responds accordingly. You look younger, you feel younger, your, your cells, the 50 trillion cells in your body, they open up and they start to receive nourishment, the nourishment of oxytocin and serotonin that feels so yummy to your cells. So it's a, it's, it's a much better thing to be nice to yourself. Yeah, but if you're in a bad space, it's difficult to do that. So you know, I'm not trying to plug your app, but <laughs> I suppose I am. By doing your app for about 10 minutes, breathing technique, that will instantly get you to a better space where you can actually start loving yourself. So that, so that's important. Yes, and whatever, whatever works for you. So I believe the most important thing we can do in life is to prioritize how we feel. So if you wake up in the morning and that you care about how you feel, and most people, they don't really pay attention to what they're feeling. So if they're feeling anxious at the start of the day, their anxiety just builds a momentum that grows and grows and grows. And by the time it gets to mid-afternoon, you're just on this kind of fast track, you know, you know, route to feeling really, really stressed and you can't change that. It's really hard. Whereas if you're aware of investing just 10 minutes every morning on something that just enlivens your mood and lifts your spirit and allows you to start the day from a place of calm, then you're more likely to have a really good day. Okay, well done, Nikki, for coming up with such a Great app. I meditate and I'm doing your breathing exercise as well. So they really complement each other. 
and you do the same don't you you meditate as well yes, yes. thank you very much for, for for sharing your story and uh, wisdom and ideas thank you very much and i look forward to your big launch on the 22nd of april thank you very much thank you very much <laughs>